Brought to you by the Mutual Audio Network. Don't leave home without it. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. This podcast is a serial narrative, a story told episode by episode. Consequently, your listening journey would best be begun at the beginning. That's Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor, Episode 1. It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. on Bruff Taxwind, Sky Sailor. I'll be out on the street in a week if I can't get some scratch together. Got a simp here with me being released to your recognizances. Your only brother, according to the paperwork. Euro terrorist storm Eiffel Tower? Seize docked blimps and escape. Says these Euro jerks call themselves Europa's Horn. I'll work hard for you, you'll see. You would not be working at all had I not come to retrieve you. You will be briefed by the head of security when we arrive. My name is Colonel Fable G. Lexington. We are transporting precious cargo from the famed British Museum. The Atlantean is the largest airship in the history of mankind. We are aware this might make her a target for sky pirates and their ilk. I I ain't feeling so good. Tax when that's enough, you'll conquer this hydrophobia now or never at all. All right, that's enough. Up you come. Take Whiff here down to the British Museum hold. His first shift will begin as soon as we start boarding. Gentlemen, the wager is simple enough. Will the simpleton try to fly like a bird or swim like a fish when thrown overboard? Bruff good. So good. Bruff so fun and exciting. Wow. Carver, good, but bruff, better. Today, new episode, episode three, three episodes. What the hell's going on here? Is this the correct copy? Courtney, Courtney, why do I sound like a moronic four-year-old? Is this because of my bitching about the alliteration last time? What's that? Oh, a new writer. Hmm. Well, what was wrong with the other guys? You know, we had a pretty good thing going there. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Huh? Uh, well... Okay, then. So, let's see, uh... Yeah, yeah, this, this is, this is all rubbish. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to, uh, do some filling in here. Uh, give, give me a moment, will you, friends? I, I promise this episode will not skimp on the delicious ecstasy you have been ever so patient to receive. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Regret. Remember all the things you could have been? Well, it's too late now. Regret! (laughs) 
We last left our reluctant hero after he leapt to his all but certain death in the first selfless act of his life to save his brother Whiff, who had been thrown overboard of the great Atlantean by those grimy bastards who had placed wagers on what type of distorted body movements he'd make as he plummeted to his own gruesome death. Um, okay, uh, there's no... <sighs> you know what? Let's just jump in and see how this turns out. Jesus Christ! There's four pages of them screaming. We get it. Let's skip ahead here. Oh, oh, oh. Here are words. Jeez. I'll do my best here, folks, but I'm, I'm kind of going along without much of a safety net, okay? Okay. Bruff felt the cool night air, which was just a moment ago breezing softly against his cheek from the safety of the Atlantean's lower deck, now rushing over his entire body as he raced towards his flailing brother. His mind was taken over not by the selfish thought of imminent death as those who knew him best would expect it to be, but rather by the all-around surprising desire, nay, the need to save his brother. Somewhere in the back of his mind, Bruff knew that he had put himself in perilous danger, yet he did not care. Even further back in his mind, a, a strange thought began to tickle the border of his conscious and subconscious mind. A thought, a question... Why? Why did he leap into such danger without thinking about himself? Why did he place the safety of his estranged and imbecilic brother above his own? Whiff was just inches away from Bruff's reach when another thought buttered into his consciousness. How long was this rope that he had quickly tied to his leg? He needed to reach his brother immediately. He stuck out his hand as far as it would go, and then reached farther. He stretched his fingers as far as he could stretch them and then stretched them farther. He reached down into the pit of his soul and summoned every ounce of strength he could muster, and then, seemingly by nothing more than his own will, he stretched his body evermore through the gasping wind and at last touched the rustling fabric of Whiff's pant leg. And like a starving Venus flytrap that has finally tasted the sweet limbs of a long-awaited insect, Bruff's hand clasped onto that pant leg in a death grip. Not a moment later, the rope went taut and abruptly stopped their freefall. Now the brothers dangled in the air some 400 feet below the deck of the Atlantean. Jeez, Alamoli! Whiff! Whiff, are you okay? Hold on, buddy. Just, just hold on. I'll, I'll get us to safety. Yay! That was fun, Ruff. I want to go again. Are you... What? Seriously? We, we almost just died. You were almost just murdered. What do you mean? Those nice fellas up there said they'd let me ride their invisible and secret fun machine. And boy, was it fun. Secret invisible fun machine? They threw you off a blimp. Yeah, they sure were nice, huh? I can't do this right now. We need to figure out how to get back onto that damn ship. Whoa! What, what the... Hold on, boys! I got you! The old and disgruntled Fable pulled the two brothers to safety in short order, despite needing to twist every other foot of rope around his hooked hands. Though certainly on in years, the former soldier had not lost his significant strength. His muscles tightened as he hauled the dead weight. Beads of sweat dotted his brow, his 
angular, sharp jaw clenched under the pressure of pulling these men to their safety. His vast and endless muscles rippled throughout his arms as he... What are you laughing at, Courtney? What's that? <laughs> Am I attracted to Fable? No, 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 no. I told you I have very little writing to actually work with here, so I have to fill in some gaps and... And, well, yes, I, I suppose I do picture Fable as a muscular older man. What's wrong with that? There's nothing homoerotic going on here, and, frankly, I'm offended by the accusation. No, no, court... Hey, hey. This man is a veteran. You show some damn respect, Courtney. Anyway, they were pulled under the lower deck of the Atlantic. You know, God, way to ruin the moment, Court. If your boys hate the gig that much, no reason to kill yourselves over it. Could let you off at the next port. What? No, those bastards up there just tried to kill my brother. I was trying to make a joke. Get it? Obviously, he didn't try to jump out of this here ship just to avoid work. I made a joke. Yeah, maybe not the time. You know, what with the near-death experience and all. Guess I was just trying to lighten the mood. I remember when my lovely Georgette was lying on her bed in the final waning hours of her life, waiting for the inevitable end to what had been, up to that point, a fruitless and draining battle against the vicious cancer that was inside of her. Even then, she asked for a joke, which I provided... And how I made her laugh. She laughed right up to the moment her body finally became the shell it had been preparing to be for so long. Her last breath was that of a shriveled... Ha-ha! It was beautiful. It was final. I never did think I'd laugh again after that. Not until right then, in this moment just now past, when you boys came back from the brink of death. Something my Georgette was not able to do. I felt just then... As if she had allowed me to finally enjoy this pitiful and pointless existence once again. But no. You deprived me of that, Bruff Taxwind. I suppose I shall live on once more in this humorless void that has become my life. Um. Okay. I thought it was a funny joke, Mr. Fable. Why, of course you did, you sweet darling boy. You truly are a wondrous thing, aren't you? Where are you going, bruv? I'm gonna give those bastards a taste of their own medicine. Let's see how they like it when I throw them off this godforsaken ship. Well, ain't that a bad idea. Oh? Why's that? Because they're here with Tangier. That man don't just employ us, he has several guests as well. There are a great many people on this ship, each with a very specific purpose to which Tangier himself has a vested interest. Don't think he'd take too kindly to having them disposed of like that. Well, what about them throwing my brother off the damn ship? What's Tangier gonna do about that? Something. Rest assured, he'll do something about it. It ain't all a loss, though. What do you mean? You ain't getting sick. Looks like that last leap finally gave you a pair of sky legs. Wow. He's right, bruv. You ain't puked in minutes. That must be some kind of record for you. Yeah, well... The brothers stood for a moment on that lower deck. They had survived a death sentence, and while the world around them was surely the same as it was moments before, something in each of them had begun to change. For bruv, he knew that a point was reached. A destination? No, a step. 
a first step toward becoming something he had known he was supposed to be. He did not know what it was, nor did he know how long it would take him to complete this newfound journey, but he was certain, beyond any doubt, that an unstoppable force had been awakened within him. A small smile creased his lips, and he allowed himself a brief moment of joy for the new sense of purpose in his life. For Whiff, it was a bowel movement. Say, bruv? Wait. Whiff, did you just... Yeah. Hey, hey, did he just... Yep, that's what we're dealing with here, folks. Son of a... Okay, Whiff, come on, we, we gotta get you changed. They began walking through the galleyways, looking for an area to change Whiff out of his poop-covered pants. Eventually, they found a small broom closet with a spare pair of janitorial clothing... Bruff began to fill a bucket with warm water and tenderly helped his brother remove his soil-soaked clothing. Hey, brother. This reminds me of when I was little and Pa had to change us after our poop fight. Remember the poop fight, Bruff? I have no idea where this is going. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Pa took us to the zoo that one time and we saw the gorillas flinging their poo at each other. Boy, did we think that was just the funniest thing. Then a couple of days later, you came busting into my room and threw a fresh heap of your own poo right in my face. That's right. Then you pooped right in your hand, and there we were throwing poo at each other just like them gorillas. Boy, that was fun. It was something. That was one of my last memories of Pa. You and him went on the ship soon after that. Yeah, I guess we did. What was he like? What was Pa like, bruv? Ah, you don't want to know. Remember him cleaning up your poop after our fight. That's as good a way of remembering him as any. Ah, come on, bruv. Please. Fine. Pa was... He was... Ah, hell, he was a coward. A a loser. He cared nothing for nobody except himself and barely that. He hated hard work and was always looking for the next best way to cut corners. Eventually, he ran out of ways to do that... So he turned to the bottle. Hell, you would have thought he had discovered the answer to all the secrets of the universe the way he drank. He'd be lit by lunch and then spend the rest of the day trying to tell you what was wrong with the world. Wrong with people. Wrong with me. God forbid you didn't give him 100% of your attention, he'd give you 100% of his fist. Lousy bastard loved to beat on me. He loved the drink. But damn if he didn't love the sea above all else. Once... While we were on that ship, he had one of his handful of sober moments and he took me out on the back of the ship. He had me turn around in a complete circle and he said, What do you see? I said, Nothing. You you know, because I saw nothing. No land, no other ships, just an empty, vast sea on all sides. You'd have thought I broke the man's heart. He lowered his head and just stood there looking. Looking disappointed. I asked him what was wrong. What what did I say? He looked out of the ocean and said, That's the problem, bruv. You see nothing. So I asked him, I said, Well, what do you see out there? He says, Everything, son. I see out there everything there is to see. Then he took this pin off his chest, this stupid five-cent pendant of a captain's wheel and pinned it to my shirt. You would have thought he was giving me his life savings the way he looked when he did it. He didn't say a word, just walked away and hit another bottle. 
That's who our father was. A good-for-nothing lowlife who cared about water and liquor more than his own family. You still have the pin, Bruff? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's here in my pocket. Bruff pulled out a small, rusted pendant and handed it to his brother. Whiff examined it on all sides. He held it up to the small light bulb that lit their little closet and waited several moments to speak. It's like having a little piece of our paw back with us. Uh, if you say so. Hey, Bruff, can I keep it? Bruff stopped dressing his brother and stared at him. He slowly took the pendant and rubbed his thumb over the engraved captain's wheel. It suddenly seemed his whole life had been defined by this very pin. Bruff did not feel anger at his father in that moment, nor sadness nor regret. He felt only resolution. A circle had been completed, and he realized, perhaps for the first time, that he no longer needed to be Lionel Taxwin's son in order to feel complete. He put the pin on Whiff's shirt. There you go, buddy. It's yours now. Ah, thanks, brother. Whiff threw his arms around Bruff and embraced him tightly. Such an unexpected and unfamiliar gesture as it was, Bruff instinctually tightened his body and resisted the affectionate moment. Soon, though, he felt the warmth of his brother's body against his, the grasp of his brother's arms on his back and the soft pressure of his brother's head on his shoulder. Bruff then slowly raised his arm and enclosed them around Whiff's body, completing what was then the first hug he and his brother had ever shared in their lives. And for the second time that night, Bruff smiled. Several floors above them, preparations were underway for the Starry Sky Celebration Ball. It was all the talk of the ship, and the guests were eagerly anticipating the sounding of the great bell to signal the beginning of the evening's festivities. The upper-class cabins were teeming with fanciful ladies slipping into their gaudy gowns as elite gentlemen strapped on their cummerbunds and straightened their bow ties. Lady Balthastag, the most eligible bachelorette in the Greater London area 45 years ago, traipsed up and down the halls engaging in conversation with any man who looked at her for more than half a second. Sir Bertrand Timbladisic, who earned his fortune by building the world's most preeminent mustache wax empire, strutted into a smoke-filled coffee lounge where he awkwardly attempted to impress some of the younger heiresses with his incredibly large mustache. Then there was Paulette Pinkerton and Patsy Pepperportipo, cousins from New Hampshire who had apparently decided to press the boundaries of the evening's dress code to its limit by wearing scantily short dresses with awfully low necklines. Their wealth had been acquired under mysterious circumstances, and it was generally believed that they were, in fact, criminals. They were also strikingly beautiful. So, as is the American way, their illegality, corrupt ways, and overall immorality was overlooked by the public at large. I mean, damn. They really were good-looking. Wow. Just look at that. Mmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm? What? Oh, oh. <clears throat> yes, right. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, people, party, and, uh, let's see, oh... Okay, um, Bruff and Whiff arrived on the floor at the height of the excitement for the beginning of the war. 
They stood to the side and watched as all sorts of rich elitist snobs ran back and forth, jibber-jabbering amongst themselves about seemingly innocuous subjects. I don't care what the Queen's advisers have to say about it. If I want to sell to the Austrians, I'll sell to the Austrians. None of her bloody business. Isn't there some concern over the current treaties and what the Germans may do if France and Britain publicly object to such goods being exported to Austria? Darling, we're speaking of mustache wax. What's the worst that could happen? For God's sake, the Archduke himself is one of our best customers. So, this is how the other half live, huh? They all look so pretty. Yeah, amazing what some money can do, huh? Practically turns back the clock if you got enough of it. We should get some of it and turn back the clock to before I got noodle-fied. Would that we could, kid. Would that we could. Well, looky here. Now, what are you two fine gentlemen up to tonight? We're securitizing, lady. What's that? You boys work in securities? Uh, no, we... That's right, lady. We securitized this whole ship. What he means is... Oh, interesting. So what are you then, brokers or financiers? Well, we broke like hell for sure. Uh, Whiff, she means... Oh, wow. So, who do you work for? We work for Mr. Tan and Sears. Sears? You mean Sears and Roebuck? Oh, now that was a reach. Sure. I find you to be so... interesting... Mr... Whiff. Whiff Taxwind. Whiff, eh? How do you do? I am Lady Balderstag. Perhaps you'd like to join me for a private cocktail before we go have fun at this evening's ball? Uh, Sorry, lady, but we actually have some place to be. Yeah, sorry, lady. Maybe later you can give my cock a tail while you're having fun with the ball. As they made their way through the hallways, the two men improvised the actions of what they assumed security guards should be doing. They yelled at a few men for smoking in the wrong section of the ship, though in honesty they had no idea if there was a correct section of the ship to smoke in. Still, they found that the perception of authority was enough to elicit unquestioned obedience in those they spoke to. Bruff liked it. Soon they made their way back to the cargo hold for their primary duty that evening, guarding the precious valuables littered throughout the hold. Upon arriving, though, they noted a solitary man toward the far corner of the hold, rummaging through a crate. He reached in and spilled the crate's contents to the floor. After a few moments of hastily sifting through the objects, he grabbed a nearby crowbar and began to pry open another crate. Bruff grabbed Whiff, and the two knelt behind some storage to further observe this apparent thief. Bruff's heart began to race, and he knew what he must do. As the shady pilferer began to pry open yet another crate, Bruff dashed out from his hiding place and ran towards the man. Whiff attempted to follow closely, but almost immediately slipped on one of the spilled objects, a pearl necklace. He fell to the floor and began crying. Ah! Bruff! My knee! I scraped my knee! You'll be fine! He's getting away! Bruff began to run after the suspect, who by this time had noticed the two security guards and began making his escape. He lunged off the side of the ship and fell onto the top of a life dirigible. Bruff hit the rail and leaned over and saw the man below him leaping along the rows of the small ten-passenger safety blimps. As he was quickly making his way toward the back of the ship, Bruff looked above him and saw a rope leading along the side of the Atlantean. Hoping for the best, Bruff sliced the rope and once again found himself flying through the air. Within moments, he was atop of the leaping thief. Timing it ever so precisely, Bruff released the grasp and tumbled out of the sky, landing directly upon the bandit. The men plummeted back onto the deck of the ship and engaged in an impromptu wrestling match. 
With limbs flailing about, garbled threats being muttered incoherently, hair being pulled girlishly, and someone's funny bone being accidentally hit. The struggle was quite unprofessional and pathetic looking. You got him good, bruv. With help, tie him. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a tie. I think you can pin him for sure. Bruff was finally able to break free, whereupon he threw his arm out and struck the thief with one of his famous right hooks, sending the perp to the ground in a cold knockout. Yay! You did it, Bruff! Yeah, sure did. All right, help me get this bastard down to the holding cell. We got some work to do. Not quite yet. Please apologize. For what? You left me back there after I hurt my knee. He was getting away. I had to do my job. I know. That's why I'm still talking to you and allowing you the chance to apologize. Oh, brother. Yes? No, I mean... (laughs) Fine. I'm sorry. For what? For abandoning you in your time of need. Think nothing of it, brother. Now let's get this fella into a cell. Bruff led the smarmy Cretan down to the ship's jail hall. And yes, this ship has a jail. As I've said, it's freaking huge. Enormous. I mean, really, really, really big. Like super duper big, okay? (laughs) So, Courtney, what the hell are you laughing at now? Hey, super duper is a very appropriate descriptionary term. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm not doing this with you again, Courtney. I really will not. The last time we had a repetition battle, we didn't stop until the cock crowed, and then when I walked you to your car, the neighbors saw us, and it was all the talk of the town. I will not have yours or my career or personal life shaded by such salacious rumors. No, not again. Now... Super Duper is a mature, intelligent, clever phrase that has over the years been tarnished by damnable children who have cast a sorely misplaced shadow over it with their stupid falsetto voices. Well, I say no more. No more will such a phrase be relegated to the uses of the feeble-minded. I am bringing it back. Today. Now. Here and now I say Super Duper is fair game. Hey, Ruff. This jail is super duper. Son of a bitch! I don't care what it is as long as it's got steel bars. Now get in there, dirtbag. Oh no! A jail! Whatever shall I do? Enough with the attitude. Now here's what's gonna happen, lowlife. You're gonna ask the questions, and I'm gonna answer them. That's right. And if I don't comply, I'll beat the answers out of That's right. I've been here before, lad. Let's get on with it, shall we? Wait a second. You're a guest here. You, you're you one of the bastards who threw my brother off this ship. Yeah. Hey, what did he end up trying to do, anyway? I tried to swim like a fish. Damn it. I owe that horse bastard 20 bucks. A- enough. Why were you rummaging through the cargo? What were you looking for? Valuables. Just any valuables? That's right, I'm a thief. Just a common thief, huh? Looking to make a quick payday. Got it. So tell me, if you're just a common thief looking for anything of value, why would you toss away this? Bruff reached into his pocket and took out the pearl necklace Whiff had slipped on. Gotta say, 
Never thought I'd see a thief after a quick profit toss away such an obviously expensive necklace. What can I say? I'm terrible at assessing the value of women's jewelry. Or maybe you're just a terrible thief. But I don't think either of those things are true. I know? No. What I think is, you're a terrible liar. Hmm. So, how about we start again? Who are you? Who I am is irrelevant. Oh, I have no doubt that's true. But why don't you just humor me, huh? The name's Bagwell. Nigel Bagwell. Sounds like the party's getting started. Not quite. Faint footsteps were heard from behind them. As Bruff turned toward the corner of the room, he saw Tangier slowly emerge from the dark shadows. Oh, oh, I got one! I saw him there the whole time! Almost said something too, but it was, you know, it was supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> Woo! Oh yeah! I'm putting that one in my win column. <laughs> Tangier, what are you doing here? I know. Oh no 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 no! It can't. How? When? Oh no! No 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 no! Wait, you two know each other? How? Mister Tangier, let me explain, please. I'm a nobody. Okay, a loser. A punk! I ain't got nothing. I barely had a family. My father was a crook and now I'm a crook. I never had a chance. This is the only life I've ever known. You don't know what it's like. Living in the shadows of a butchering, murdering psychopath. It's a miracle I didn't turn out worse, right? You understand? You have to understand, right? As the suddenly crazed Nigel Bagwell continued on with his rampant ramblings, Tangier slowly and methodically walked to the side of the room. With his head bowed low and his hands gently held behind his back, it seemed to Bruff that he was intently listening to the nearly incoherent prisoner. By all appearances, Tangier was on the verge of granting whatever mercy Nigel seemed to be begging for. And there I was, stowed away on the ship, just like... just like... Mr. Tangier, I swear... I swear I won't tell no one about the callousness. <laughs> In one fluid, effortless, and seemingly innocent motion, Tangier's arm whisked up toward the wall and pressed an innocuously placed brown button. So unsuspicious was this button that had one not known it was there, one would not have possibly seen it. But with this button pressed, Nigel Bagwell fell through the now-open trapdoor in his cell and dropped to his imminent death. With another push of the button, the trapdoor closed, and the harrowing screams of the soon-to-be-departed Nigel Bagwell were abruptly halted. What have you done? Thievery is not tolerated on this ship, not to any extent. But I was... He wasn't no thief. At least not a common one. He was up to something. Thievery is not tolerated. I wanted to see if he was gonna swim or fly. I must be on my way now. You gentlemen keep up the good work. I don't mind telling you, Mr. Tangier. I'm not entirely comfortable with what just happened here. In fact... I am paying you neither for your comfort nor your opinion on this matter. I am paying you for... What the hell was that? Sky Pirates. Will the Sky Pirates board the ship? Will Bruff find out what is in the canisters? Has the audience made the connection between this episode's Nigel Bagwell and Butcher Bagwell from last season? Find out next time on 
Prof Taxwind, Sky Sailor. Rough Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Jack Spratt's Flat Back Fat Vat. Looking for a bubbling mess of hindquarter lard that takes up your entire living room floor? Well, look no further than Jack Spratt's Flat Back Fat Vat. Dip your hat, cat, gat, or cravat sideways into Jack Spratt's Flat Back Fat Vat to guarantee your habitat is sat smack on the track to unlimited back fat splat on the tat of a scat rat named Pat. When I was a younger man still in school, I had a classmate who I adored. She was young. She was beautiful. Her hair was a golden brown that reminded me of an autumn dusk. She had the warmest smile of anyone I had ever known. Honestly, when I say it warmed my very soul to see her smile, I do not exaggerate. She was the friendliest and kindest among my friends. Her name was Daphne, and she was the first woman I ever loved. I never told her so, but I doubt she did not know it. I was blessed to call her a friend, and that was enough for me. It was then, and it is now. I knew I'd never have the pleasure of calling her anything more, so I suppressed any and all desires to have her romantically. Thus, I loved her from afar. I watched her marry a delightful and respectful young man. I watched her raise two beautiful sons. I I watched her live a full, wonderful, but too short life. Daphne died a year ago from a brain tumor. Her boys, Hugh, six, and... Avery, age four, will never get to know their dear, sweet, kind, beautiful mother. If I had the choice to bring that amazing woman back from the dead and restore the wonderful life that so many miss, or hearing the next episode of Bruff Taxwin right now instead of waiting two freaking weeks, I'd spit on Daphne's grave and bury her another six feet under. Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Wertner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor Story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Wertner as lead story editor. This episode written by Mr. Hodgkin and edited by Mr. Wertner, featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy with special guests Ms. Liz Filios as Lady Balthastag and Mrs. Ashley Hodgkin as Paulette. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit rudealchemy.com slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And finally, I know I said I'd have the money by Tuesday, Fred, it's just that Denise cleaned me out in the divorce, you see? In fact, I'm living in the studio now. I bathe myself in the sink at the Arby's across the street. Sometimes they let me have day-old turnovers if Darnell is the manager on duty. Well, anyway, just another week. That's all I need. Hi, this is Marcy Bell Lunchpocket, one of the members of the Narada Radio Company. This portion of Pulpery Theater is brought to you by Arrowhawk Real Trail Mix. Remember, friends, unlike all of those other so-called trail mixes, Arrowhawk Another fine product of Irresponsible Mills of Oakville, Tennessee, is made up of all those wonderful things actually found on the trail, such as tree bark, pine needles, pebbles, clumps of clay, leaves, bird droppings, and for an added crunch, those dried husks that locusts leave on the trunks of trees. But that's not all, friends. Coming soon from Arrowhawk is a brand new protein mix that includes delicious, chewy, dried earthworms. Mm-mm. So remember, Arrowhawk is not available in stores. Go to our website and order the Arrowhawk Real Trail Mix of your choice today. If you're eating trail mix and break your teeth on a rock, chances are you're enjoying Arrowhawk.